Ultra. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Protagonist Podcast, where each week we look at a great character in a great story. I'm Joe Dorowski, and this week we're discussing the cast of Ted Lasso, the TV show that is streaming on Apple+. And joining us for the discussion is returning guest Ben Phillips. Welcome, Ben. Hello, good to be back. So glad to have you on. We don't get to talk nearly often enough. Basically, we actually no. talk to each other when, we're, when you're on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I, I guess uh, voice to voice is yeah. the only time that we talk is on the podcast. Otherwise, we just uh, send each other messages about sports. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> How I, I, I do appreciate, though, that I was invited back uh, for one that wasn't a Nicolas Cage movie. So that is good. Well, I got to let you spread your wings a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, I'd, there's been some other requests for Ted Lasso, but I thought ah, I think this one's going to be a Ben, <laughs> a ben episode. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, sorry. And, we, and we didn't we didn't wait for the Lasso. crossover. We didn't wait for the crossover episode where it's Nicolas Cage on Ted Lasso. So that's good. <laughs> the, the only crossover I want for Ted Lasso is I think um, Paddington three should involve Ted Lasso. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's actually true. Not Roy Kent. I don't think Roy Kent would fit into the Paddington universe, but Ted Lasso would. Uh, maybe just in the background. It's like an Easter egg. No no talking role. For any listeners who are not familiar, Ted Lasso is a show that began streaming on August 14th, 2020, and it stars Jason Sudeikis as Ted Lasso, an American football coach who is hired to manage a soccer team in England's Premier League. The other core cast are Hannah Waddingham as Rebecca Welton, Jeremy Swift as Leslie Higgins, Phil Dunster as Jamie Tart, Brett Goldstein as Roy Kent, Brendan Hunt as Coach Beard, and Nick Moha- uh, Nick Mohammed as Nathan Shelley, and also Juno Temple as Keeley Jones. And we're going to be discussing the pilot, which was written by Jason Sudeikis, Bill Lawrence, Brendan Hunt, and Joe Kelly, and directed by Tom Marshall. We're also discussing episode two, Biscuits, which w- uh, which had a story by Brendan Hunt and Jason Sudeikis with a teleplay by Joe Kelly. And that one was directed by Zach Braff, yes, JD from Scrubs. And episode three, Trent Krim, The Independent, was written by Jane Becker and directed by Tom Marshall. So, Ben, I found Ted Lasso just because of the buzz around it, not because I was excited about it, just because of the buzz. And I did actually remember the commercials uh, with Jason Segas <laughs> from like 2007 or I, I got it in the trivia, whenever the commercials were. Uh, yeah, which, which is probably a bad thing because if you looked at the commercials – you probably would have been like, no, I'm not going to watch this. Yeah, uh, but but those commercials were great in 2013. Uh, yeah. NBC Sports got the rights to the Premier League, and they had Jason Sudeikis, who at the time was on SNL, uh, come and play a, a coach named Ted Lasso going to the Premier League. And that was the whole gag. Uh, and really, it was just trying to make a viral vi- video at the time. The years oh, yeah. later, they announced a Ted Lasso show. And I remember the commercials thinking, those were funny. I know they can carry a show. <laughs> But then when it actually premiered, it got huge buzz. And finally, Emily and I watched the first episode and then basically watched everything that was available (laughs) as fast as possible after that, because it was so, so good. And also just uh, if if, it was like life affirming to watch it. Yes, especially during a pandemic. (laughs) Yes, exactly. It it was like a feel good show. And I will just say, typically on the protagonist podcast, we generally will cover family friendly content. Don't watch this with young children. There's quite a few British F bombs being flung around. Uh, Ted Lasso almost never swears, but the football players are pretty free. (laughs) Which which I will say is is true to life. So, yeah, with their language. Uh, So that's how I came to Ted Lasso. Do you remember how you came to it? Uh, kind of a similar thing. I think I had three separate people whose opinions I uh, valued say, you need to watch Ted Lasso. And I think the last person to do so was the DM for my Dungeons and Dragons group. So I kind of had to say yes uh, or risk uh, my character dying. So I said yes, and I'm glad I did. <laughs> that is one of the greatest explanations I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my DM said I had to, and I, I like my character I'm playing right now, so... Yeah. <laughs> uh, and um, like like I said, it, it kind of just came in August of 2020 j- just out of nowhere when the world needed something positive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, this was exactly what we were looking for. And it made me think about like um, 
just some of the natural pendulum swings that happens that that there were brands of comedy that I'm, I mean, they're still going to exist, but there were super cynical uh, that, that sure. were very popular and very prominent uh, in, in pop culture. Everything, you know, from from South Park to uh, even like the Shrek movies, like the early 2000s through the, the you know, for, for a good decade, it, it, even if it was kids entertainment, there was a, a vein of like sardonic cynicism that seemed to permeate. Sure. A, a lot. Well, of even, even think of like Parks and Rec. It's like that's a very positive show. But even there, there, there's the one character that everyone dunks on with. I mean, they call him Jerry, and that's not even his name. Yeah. The, well, I mean, that's a Mike Shirt template, though. <laughs> it's a Mike Shirt show. There's yeah, exactly. one character that's hated for no reason. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> even exactly. You, you've got your Toby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think you're right. And, and so th- it, it was just nice to find this show that um, I think even if it has content that a lot of people don't associate with feel good <laughs> shows in terms of the number of F-bombs that <laughs> they're willing to drop, uh, it, it the overarching message was being good is a choice and it's not always mm-hmm. going to get you what you want, but it's the best choice. <laughs> you know. And, and you know, I'm kind of thinking of this right now too. You, you talked about the pendulum swing and just a thought I just had right now is think about everyone was all about the good place and there's a show where it's not good people but everyone talked about it. it's like this this feel good movie this feel good mm-hmm. show about you know people trying to be better and then all of a sudden we have this show you know they didn't plan for it to be during a pandemic but here it is during the pandemic where the show isn't let's try to be better it's like hey look what happens when we are better to each other mm-hmm yeah absolutely i guess uh, oh we're jumping to some of our usual a- after the summary discussion but it's hard <laughs> with something like this that uh I, I i've watched the whole series twice now well i guess not the second season but the first season i've seen twice and then i watched these Same. episodes yes. again uh for the um for for this episode and, and it was really hard to just say like you know what i probably need to stop and go write up my summaries instead of just watching episode four <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i mean i watched i watched the whole thing i think by myself and then told my wife that i think she would like it and often it'll take someone else besides me saying that she'll like it uh for her to watch it <laughs> and then uh she watched it and then she's like you know I, i'd watch it with you again so we, we watched it again together and then watched season two together and yeah we had watched season one and then when season two was coming we we rewatched season one like to lead up to to season two yeah all right. Well, let's cover a little bit of trivia about this. So, um, as I noted, this is based on commercials from 2013 and has become uh, an award-winning character played by Jason Sudeikis. <laughs> Not very often do do the commercial adaptations to sitcom uh, pipeline lead to a well. No, they absolutely they do. Don't you remember whenever uh, the Geico Caveman uh, mm-hmm. sitcom swept the Emmys? Yeah, and uh, I, I I try to remember if it even made it onto the air, but the Budweiser was up guys had a sitcom pilot, uh, at least oh, in production at one point. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, uh, for Ted Lasso, Apple plus, I can never remember what these streaming services are called. Yeah. <laughs> Apple plus released the first three episodes in one chunk and then dropped the rest, uh, one, one a week. And then see for season two. Uh, the first season had 10 episodes. Season two had 12 episodes and they did, um, just a weekly release for every single episode. And a third season has been ordered uh, and is in pre-production now. And what when, when it comes to streaming shows, do you have a preference for the one a week or the dumping everything at once, the Netflix model versus what a lot of other stream, streamers have done with the, the delay? I, I think it really depends for me of what I'm looking for in that moment. Um, I, I do like the anticipation of having a show to look forward to each week, like with the Marvel shows on Disney plus, mm-hmm. I know I've very much enjoyed. It's like, Oh, what are they going to do this week? Cause there's some shows that you kind of want to digest and, and dig into. And I think for me, at least for Ted Lasso, I'm kind of glad that it is serialized week by week because I would totally binge it and I would miss so much mm-hmm. um, as a comedy. Cause sometimes comedies, you just want to, you just barrel through and you have them on in the background. And I, with this, I'm glad that it had that build of the relationships and it wasn't just joke, 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 next show, joke, joke, joke. Mm-hmm. I, I think for this, it, it worked well. Yeah. I think I, I do prefer, prefer it for this. And um, I also do enjoy the, like the sense of a uh, fan community that you can find as people like dissect the show mm-hmm. and talk about it on social media, which with the binge show, people get scared to do it. 
I think because yes. they don't want to spoil the end because you never you, you have no idea how far along every, everyone else is um, mm-hmm. on it. And so uh, I, I, I think I find myself like actually leaning towards a preference for the the delayed release. I, I, I could agree with you. I think I think the binge I like more for shows that I already like or I may have missed years ago. Mm hmm. Or, or yeah, like I love having a background show that I actually know the beats for what mm-hmm. what's gonna happen to the characters that I can just have on while I'm doing something something else. Which at the same time, you know, it's <laughs> it's it's kind of disheartening too because I remember in high school, college, in the beginning of grad school, spending a lot of money that I could have definitely used on DVD box sets, mm, I, and I, now I don't need them. Wow, I, I I still have mine, and I occasionally pull them out. <laughs> If I need a special feature for a, a research project, need that commentary. Yeah. For something. Yeah, yeah. The on. commentary. Yeah, that's I, that's uh, still good. Yeah. Uh, I, I have many uh, <laughs> DVDs that I haven't touched as often <laughs> of late. A mm-hmm. uh, um, little bit of other trivia. Um, Brent, uh, Brett Goldstein was part of the writer's room, but thought he really understood the character of Roy <laughs> Kent. And uh, I found an interview where he says, I desperately wanted to audition but i knew that could be very weird if they said no to me uh and i was in the writer's room with them (laughs) every day so i made a video audition and left it on um oh who's the showrunner bill lawrence's desk and on the beginning or my memory of this interview is they said at the beginning i said if you don't like this we will pretend this was never given to you yes that is how it went down (laughs) i read the same interview (laughs) and uh, but if you do like it let's talk (laughs) <laughs> and and he uh, performed some monologues uh, for yeah. for Roy Kent that he had probably written <laughs> being in the oh, yeah and I, I I can't think of anyone else that could have possibly played him and I do I have not seen it anywhere but I do wonder if he got uh, soccer player ripped for the part or if he already was yeah because he, uh, he, <laughs> uh, he's he's not like uh, you know Marvel superhero ripped no <laughs> you know or, he's or like, he's, pr- he's professional athlete mm-hmm. ripped. Because I, the first five shows, it's it's a rare scene that he's not shirtless. Yeah, <laughs> he is a hairy man. <laughs> uh, let's see. In uh, twenty twenty one, Ted Lasso set a record for the most Emmy nominations for a new comedy, and Jason Jason Sudeikis, Hannah Waddingham, Brett Goldstein all won Emmys for acting, and the series also won the Emmy for best comedy. So, um, it's so hard to know in our current streaming landscape like what actually being popular means <laughs> right? right like like, yeah. like apple's not releasing the numbers uh but it has been pretty widely acknowledged that this is the reason there's still an apple streaming service is the breakout hit yeah. lasso um <clears throat> yep and uh specifically i saw like in their model they were looking for um shows that would get the kind of uh j- just everyone talking is is all they yeah wanted. the prestige <laughs> yeah kind of thing yeah and you you've seen you know, many streamers have tried and failed uh, to do yes. exactly that model. And even Apple Plus has many other shows that they wish were as breakout hits. As uh, the Ted honestly, Myth- Mythic Quest is a really good show that uh, has not broken out. But yeah, it's I've heard a good, good things about it. I haven't watched any yet, uh, but I've, uh, everyone who's talked about it has been positive. So I probably need to give that one a try. Yeah, there's there's a few episodes on that that kind of break the mold, too, of is this even a sitcom at this point or is it a drama mm-hmm. and like a human <laughs> emotion piece? Yeah, which... um. I, I, I may wish to say, but Ted Lasso surprises me with uh, how hard I laugh, but then also mm-hmm. how much I'm feeling. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> at, at certain moments of this. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's uh, jump ahead so we can get to the summary of these three episodes. But before we do that, listeners, we want to thank you for downloading this episode. If you would like to support us financially, we invite you to go to patreon.com slash protagonist and support our show with at least a dollar per month. All supporters on Patreon at any level receive access to our special quick casts, which are shorter episodes in which we talk about the media we've been consuming that we are not yet covering as full episodes of the podcast. And all patrons who support us with $5 per month or more get to choose a topic for us to discuss. So on to the summary of these three episodes. Uh, in the pilot... Rebecca Wilton is the new owner of AFC Richmond after the team is the primary asset she inherits after divorce from her cheating ex-husband. She fires the manager and hires an American football coach named Ted Lasso to take over the team. Ted and his assistant coach and friend, Coach Beard, arrive in England and go see the stadium where we meet Nathan, a very shy kit man for the team. Ted goes to Rebecca's office and she immediately takes him to the press room where many angry and disbelieving journalists are eager to ask him questions. And Krim in particular cannot believe an American with no experience with the sport is managing a Premier League team. 
This conference devolves into chaos and Ted Lasso is a little panicked. After the press conference, Rebecca reveals to her assistant, Leslie Higgins, that she only hired Ted Lasso so he would fail and drive the club into the ground because AFC Richmond was the only thing her ex-husband loved and she wants it to be ruined. Ted and Coach Beard meet the team and it does not go great. That night, Ted calls his son back home <laughs> and his, uh, after his son puts his mom on the phone, Ted says he's trying to give her space like she asked. And when he says, I love you, it's clear that she does not say it back to him. The end. I, that phone conversation. Jason Sudeikis well done. Amazing acting against nothing. Uh, yes. You know, uh, and he thing. does great face acting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it definitely is a strength uh, in what he's bringing to this role. All right. Episode two is called Biscuits. Ted brings cookies or biscuits to Rebecca and tells her that biscuits with the boss will be a new tradition that he is beginning. These biscuits are amazing. And Rebecca orders Leslie to track down where Ted got those delicious biscuits so that she can have them without having to talk to Ted. <laughs> Uh, Ted has a suggestion box for the team to leave notes for him in. Um, and on his way out of the complex, Jamie Tart's girlfriend, Keely asks Ted if he'd rather be a lion or a panda. Uh, Rebecca is nearby and she is appalled when Ted says, of course, a panda. She is very adamant that a fierce lion is the only right choice. Then Jamie Tart comes out and Ted asks him whether he would rather be a lion or a panda. And Jamie says, I'm me. Why would I want to be anything else? To which Ted says, I don't think you realize how psychologically healthy that is. Ted and Coach Beard go through the suggestion box, and the only non-insulting suggestion is that the water pressure in the showers is bad and could be fixed. Ted needs help connecting with Jamie, so he seeks out Keely. She's in the middle of a modeling shoot. Her hair is blown back like a lion's mane. She has long, sharp fingernails on, uh, and we see another unhappy model with circles of eye black around her eyes. It's <laughs> being dressed up like a panda. This joke, I'm gonna, we're going to talk about this joke later. Uh, during a break in the, in the shoot, Ted helps Keely eat some food because of the fake fingernails. She can't pick anything up. They talk about Jamie while a photographer secretly snaps photos of them together. We find out that Rebecca is the one who hired a photographer to follow Ted, and she plans to leak the photos to the press because it will look like the new manager is dating the star player's girlfriend. Uh, and then we see Ted baking a fresh batch of cookies for Rebecca. Episode three, Trent Krim, the Independent. Keely goes to Rebecca, revealing she found out about the photos of her and Ted that were about to be released. She begs Rebecca to help stop them, not knowing that Rebecca actually leaked them in the first place. Rebecca, to help Keely, pulls some strings, but has to promise Trent Krim a full profile on Ted Lasso. She's happy to do this because she imagines it will be a brutal hit piece on Ted Lasso. Ted has given a book to each member of the team to read. Roy Kent receives a wrinkle in time. Several of the players are bullying Nathan, and Roy goes to tell Ted that Ted needs to do something about the bullying. Ted says no, he's not not going to. Uh, Trent follows Ted around for a day for this newspaper article, and he watches Ted's coaching style. Uh, he also goes with Ted and Roy to Roy's niece's school, where Roy is a guest speaker to entertain the kids. Roy asks Ted about the book he gave him, and Trent says, oh, A Wrinkle in Time is a classic, and Roy should read it. Ted takes Trent Krim to a restaurant that Ted has never been to. Uh, but Ollie, the driver who picked him up at the airport in episode one, works there. It's his father-in-law's restaurant. He'd, uh, he had invited Ted to come to the restaurant during that drive. Ted and Trent are served a very spicy meal. But Ted is worried about offending Ollie, so he keeps eating it even though it's much too hot for Trent Krim and too hot for Ted. But he's got to just do his best to try and eat this. Roy reads a wrinkle in time to his niece and realizes that the book is telling him that he has to be the leader of the team. And he goes and chews out Jamie for bullying Nathan and tells him to stop. The next day, Trent publishes an article saying he does not think Ted Lasso is the right man to manage Richmond, but he can't help for root for him after getting to know him. This angers Rebecca because she really wanted this newspaper article to ruin Ted's <laughs> reputation. The end. <laughs> so there's our first three episodes. Yay. Uh, so much of the comedy is not in a plot summary. Uh, just know that <laughs> the performances of this cast are really astounding. It's an amazing cast that they put together for this small sitcom on a streaming network that yeah. probably didn't have the biggest budget. They really nailed it. Even the other members of AFC Richmond are hilarious in their own right. Yes. Um, so is there something about these particular episodes where we're meeting Ted or something about the character of Ted Lasso that stands out to you, Ben? I think, you know, I think so much of the hype around the show was just how positive he was. Um, but I think in watching the show, you kind of get a better idea. And maybe this is as a sports fan in general, but like you can see this difference between how some coaches coach versus how Ted Lasso coaches. And there are. Ted Lasso coaches out there that are way more of like a player's coach and, and more positive in um, their outlook. And I, I think so 
that wasn't as shocking to me as maybe it was to everyone else. Like, look at this coach. This doesn't seem like sports that we know. But, you know, there are those coaches. And I think on rewatching it, and I don't want to spoil anything, but watching these episodes, having now seen season two, there are some things that are revealed where there's a deeper meaning uh, to his positive outlook and to his coaching style than may have been on the surface on the first watch. Yeah, I think there's um, initially this feeling that maybe he's he's too Pollyanna-ish, like just, mm-hmm, just mm-hmm. super positive for the sake of positivity. But in the first season, and definitely in the second season, you dig into the idea that his positivity is a choice, that this isn't um, he, he's choosing to treat other people this this well and with this respect, mm-hmm. even if there were other impulses uh, within him. <laughs> and it's not just that he's an aw shucks OG. Kansan, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, j- just floating through life unaware, uh, you know, completely naive to the complexity that yeah. uh, of what other people are struggling with. Like, he, he, he gets it. <laughs> He knows, yeah, uh, and he's choosing to uh, to be optimistic and, and to be positive. And well, and you even, uh, yeah, you even get that moment where, like, in the third episode, and it, it's my fault that we're doing three. I really like the Trent Krim, uh, the independent episode, mm-hmm. um, just because I feel there's so much in it. But even in that one, we see it's like he makes the choice; he's not going to step in and stop them from bullying Nate, even though he wants them to, mm-hmm. and even though he wants to put Jamie Tart in his place and right the ship, he knows that that's going to backfire. So it's exactly right. He's not just this naive, optimistic person. There is strategy and there is psychology behind the choices that he makes. Yeah. And I think um, we, we have the hint that he has some family that hasn't come to England with him uh, from the very beginning. We see him on the airplane. He's looking at a, isn't a drawing that his son made. Yes. Um, but, but we don't know much of that story and it's that, last scene in the pilot oh, yeah. that yes. I think really is what's going to sell on us that there's more to Ted Lasso as, as it, a character and as a, like a fully formed human being. It uh, changes the entire trajectory and whether or not I'm going to watch this show mm-hmm. in that pilot. Yes. And, and I think for a sitcom to end on that serious emotional mm-hmm. beat is such mm-hmm. a interesting choice. It, it absolutely works for, for Ted Lasso. I don't think it's a choice most sitcoms would make. I, I, I no. think about all the 90s sitcoms that, yes, you have the heart-to-heart w- between characters in your final act where they finally sort things out, but there's always a joke. It's resolved, yeah, and, and there's and, a joke, yes. And there, there's a joke, and, and you roll credits on, you, you know, a freeze frame of everyone yeah. laughing. Or, and you know, and, and again, <laughs> again, no spoilers, because I do want people to watch the show and enjoy the progression. But they make a choice, too, later in the season when they delve more into what is going on in his family life to not go cliche, mm-hmm. uh, but address something realistic. Yeah. And I, I, Jason Sudeikis is capable as an actor of landing both the, s- some amazing like verbal <laughs> comedy, yeah. some fantastic physical comedy. Like when he bursts back into Rebecca's office, cause Leslie gives him a pun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is a laugh out loud moment. Uh, cause he and uh, Leslie yes. have set up a, uh, uh, a lunch over salads later where they're going to talk about some stuff. And, uh, yeah. and Ted Lasso walks out of the room and Leslie just calls out Caesar, you later. And Ted mm-hmm. Lasso, like, like a Kool-Aid man bursting through the wall comes <laughs> running back into the room and just, just points at, at Leslie with joy in his face. And yeah. it's, it's all comedy, you know, it's all physical comedy. Yes. It's great. And that comes right after, I think he leaves the room saying high five tree. Woo. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think you're right. Uh, and, but but he also can give us these uh, more serious moments with his family and the sense that there's um, things going on underneath the surface of of, of Ted Lasso. And yeah. I, I think this revelation and, and I, I think this is another really tricky line to walk that this show does very well, uh, revealing that there is more going on under the surface without making Ted Lasso suddenly tragic or a hypocrite for being mm-hmm. positive. It, it, mm-hmm. it doesn't do either of those things. No. And, and I really like too, it's like, that's what I liked about episode three is just that, you know, to, to jump ahead a little, just because we're covering Ted, this idea of Trent Krim is every viewer of this show. It's like, is this guy for real? Why should we buy into this? This guy is not qualified for this job. He might've been a great coach at Wichita state, which in reality doesn't have a football team, but um, (laughs) you know, this, it's like, is this the guy? And he is us. He is the viewer. 
and the fact that he wins him over and we see how he does it. And the fact that he wins over Roy Kent, who's near the end of his career, is this grizzled um, player who is cynical and just is there because he wants to win. He wants to extend his career and the fact that he can win him over in possibly the funniest scene of a sitcom I've ever seen where Roy is mad that he wants him to read a wrinkle in time. Trent jumps in and, you know, he tells, <laughs> he tells him that it's, it's a lovely novel. It's the story of a young girl's struggle with the burden of leadership as she journeys through space. <laughs> and Ted says, yeah, that's it. And then he said, Roy takes a beat and says, am I supposed to be the little girl? And Ted totally seriously looks at him and says, I'd like you to be. And like just that, it is just amazing. Then later on in the episode, when Roy comes to the realization while reading to Phoebe, he has to be the little girl is just amazing. And, you know, we get to see he's won Roy over. Roy gets what he's doing. Or like Trent Krim, when he sees, <laughs> uh, when he sees uh, Ted Lasso eat this massive amount of incredibly spicy Indian food that he's never had in his life, just so that the person that he met one time who invited him to his restaurant to be nice won't be embarrassed in front of his father-in-law if Ted doesn't eat it, which might not even happen. He might not even be embarrassed at all. It's like, oh, look at that American. He can't handle it. Mm -hmm. But the fact that he goes through with it and then eats Trent's helping as well so that a person he met once doesn't have to feel bad about himself or have (laughs) added stress in their life. Like Trent Krim, he sees it's like, this guy is for real. This isn't an act of doing this for the cameras or an aw shucks mentality. It's like this guy cares about people. And I think, you know, that's really cool that you get both of these people who are cynical in different ways who he totally gets. And he almost gets Jamie in this episode, too, uh, but can't quite, you know, reel it in. Yeah, Jamie's a really tough one to crack. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> there's there's a lot of uh, deep rooted issues with Jamie. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. Um, and I one thing I love about this comedy is so many of these jokes are landing as comedy, like the "I'd like you to be lying." <laughs> yeah. Am I supposed to be the little girl? But it's also revealing about every character in the conversation. Where yeah. and and saying that the comedy is rooted in the character, like when you have a sitcom that's been on the air for five years and they just have the loyal audience, they can you can get away with um a joke being, you know, a look from one character to another because you know the yes. characters so well. This yeah. is still revealing these characters to the audience. Mm-hmm. We don't know these characters mm-hmm. to that level at all, but the comedy is still so rooted in who those characters are that the writing is just really top-notch. Yeah. Uh, to to well, have that feel of um, we know exactly who Ted and Roy are and putting yes. we're having this conversation is going to reveal it to the audience, but we're also going to laugh as an audience because we've gotten to know them that quickly. Yes, and and you look at too, it's like, Roy is giving people thoughtful presence of literature. I mean, Ted is giving people thoughtful presence of literature. Like this is, these have been thought out. And the fact that it's not this generic gift. I mean, again, this kind of goes against what people expect from a coach, um, in, especially a college football coach. <laughs> you know, we're not, this isn't what we're looking to that he's going to, be giving them a wrinkle in time. You know, we're, we're thinking back to like back in the twenties, whenever it's like, I'm going to give you these poems from, from uh, Robert Frost. And I'd like you to read them to be inspired. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's uh, I I just think the, the combination of how the comedy can make you laugh so out loud, but as soon as you stop and thinking about it, you're like, Oh, I just learned so much about every character is a pretty uh, top notch feat for the writer's room to be accomplishing again, especially when it's new characters in these first three episodes that we don't mm-hmm. have any familiarity with. Um, and my favorite example of this, and this is one of my favorite comedy bits ever now, but certainly of the last few years <laughs> is the lion panda joke yes, where <laughs> uh and it seems like just a throwaway moment where keely says to ted hey would you rather be a lion or panda and he says panda <laughs> and rebecca has walked off and she comes storming back <laughs> she's so mad she's like how could you say panda it has to be a lion a lion is fierce a lion is assertive a lion is in control and of course we're like learning everything about rebecca you know in this yeah. moment in how outraged she is that anyone would say panda and we also just learned something about ted that he's kind of like ah panda that's a cute one uh <laughs> and, and so 
the joke is funny right there, then and there. But then we also have Jamie yeah. Tart come out and yes. Ted throw the joke to him and Jamie like just very dismissively like I'm me. Why would I want to be anything else and walk away and and also Ted's like I don't know if you know how psychologically healthy that is. Again, yeah. we've, we've learned about Jamie and Ted and Keely in asking the question, we're learning something about her uh, that she's feeling mm-hmm. a little uncertain about things. And also she's super impressed with Rebecca when Rebecca comes storming back. She's like, and, and the fact that, you know, this is just a photo shoot, but she's taking her job very seriously. <laughs> well, we don't know it's a photo shoot yet. That's, that's, that's true. That's thing. true. It's just a question. Yes. <laughs> so already we've had, I'd say three laugh out loud moments uh, in this early conversation, but then we jump ahead multiple scenes to the visual <laughs> reveal that this was a photo shoot and she's done up like a lion and you can laugh like, Oh, it was, she was asking if she was gonna be a lion, but then, but then you see the, the little button of the glance <laughs> over to the other model who is angrily sulking at uh, the makeup table as eye black is being put around her eyes and she's being made up to look like a panda and ted just gives us a little a lion was the right choice <laughs> yeah even even ted has to admit it's like i was wrong <laughs> it's just everything about that joke is so perfect uh all yeah. the way through and and i i think for me these kind of running jokes every response that you laugh out loud to needs to feel like that could be a, the end of the bit for it to really yeah. work and and they mm-hmm. very successfully pull that off where you know rebecca's response yeah. and and jamie's response and then the, the visual at the end every one of those could have been the button and it would have been satisfying and really good writing and comedy already but the fact that they are able to keep it going without you realizing the setup is still happening it, yeah it's, it's really amazing for just on the comedy standpoint uh of how how you can make the audience unaware that they've been set up for the punchline because they think the punchline has already landed mm-hmm. or, or you have um you know, after Roy has come to the realization that he has to be a leader um, and step up and he goes out to the nightclub and confronts them. And, you know, it, it's this very serious playthrough. But then there's also, you know, he, he judges Jamie for drinking vanilla vodka um, and like a child, you know, because children <laughs> drink vanilla jo- vodka. Um, but then also, you know, him saying, I don't I don't know which one of you I quote nutted. But and what he meant is he he headbutted someone in the face. He's like, I don't see so well in the dark anymore, <laughs> which is, you know, now that I am in my late 30s is a joke that I just really get. Um, <laughs> but it's also one of those it's like we like you said, we learned something about Roy. It's like he is very willing to be somewhat open about himself and to be somewhat uh, like uh, putting himself down a little in this situation where he doesn't care if he sounds cool or not. Yes. Uh, what you're saying, like I very literally in the last little while, I was like, is something wrong with the headlights on this car? It's like they've gotten dimmer. <laughs> and then I realized, oh no, <laughs> they are just as bright as they've always been. <laughs> Honestly, I think it was this show that made me realize what was going on. <laughs> Yeah, it's not fun moments when the when those kinds of jokes click. Because uh, I mean, on the one hand, you know the writers' room are writing from experience, but then also mm-hmm. it it is revealing something to yourself sometimes. <laughs> it's like, oh, this joke is is landing very differently than it would have the decade ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, one other thing that I think is interesting about the show, and I I, I don't know who said this. I just saw it on Twitter at one point as people were reacting to season two, mm-hmm. but they said Roy Kent is a great example of a character who is not nice, but is kind. Yeah. yeah. Um, And it made me start thinking about like all the characters and some of the journeys that we get as they do transition on the spectrum. So Mm -hmm. I I think at the very beginning, you have Ted Lasso, who's clearly both nice and kind. Uh, He is uh, on the surface, affable and polite to everyone, but also legitimately concerned and trying to ensure everyone can have a good experience and also be a better person because they've interacted with him. Uh, You know, Mm -hmm. and Roy doesn't care what anyone thinks of him, but he will also be doing the good thing and the kind thing <laughs> to, to yes. people. Um, and and so I, I like that dichotomy. But then we have some characters who um, throughout the series kind of switch some of these. So at the beginning, uh, we have Rebecca who is appearing nice to Ted, but we, we know is not being kind to him. She is right. setting him up for failure. There'll be some transitions within there. Yes. I don't think that's a huge spoiler to, to hint at no, <laughs> with so. that. Um, and then we, we also are going to meet... Um, Rebecca's ex-husband in a few episodes and he is incredibly nice on the surface but also the worst human being <laughs> in which was also weird seeing Rupert Giles from Buffy I know like a different Rupert I know this was the evil <laughs> Rupert yes <laughs> but but even like when people are first meeting when, when like Ted meets him like he's perfectly affable to Ted oh, and, yeah. and nice yeah. and he and he's very um uh willing to present 
you know, the best version that will make people like him because they think he's a nice person, but we find out how little kindness there is underneath him. And and this idea of the, the dichotomy or, or, or the fact that there can be a disconnect between nice politeness and, and kindness. Um, yeah. it, it seems to be something well, that once I started looking for it on the show, I'm like, oh, all these characters are interesting points on the spectrum. Well, and I think Beard, you know, Beard is, he is kind. I think he's neutral. Like he mm-hmm. doesn't, he's not necessarily approachable unless you know him, but he's not mean. Yeah. And he is hilarious. His oh, line delivery is great. Uh, <laughs> and some of them, like on the pilot, I, I still remember some of the jokes from those commercials about like, how many countries are in this country? Four. Four. Uh, <laughs> I, I still remember that from the commercials. It still lands really well in the pilot. It does. It really does. And I think that's a, I guess as a sports fan too, that's a fun journey that I've seen of like watching Beard, like of the two, Ted Lasso is very much the game manager mm-hmm. as a coach. You know, he manages the personalities. He is the the face. He takes the blame. He gets the credit, so on and so forth. Beard is very much the strategist behind it. Yeah. And and you can see like that grow throughout the season, but even like look at their first match where, you know, he's like they're they got speed on the outside and that's about all he knows uh-huh. at this point. And he's still reading books on how soccer <laughs> so, works. Yeah, what's soccer, The rules of soccer <laughs> on their plane <laughs> over. He's reading, <laughs> reading this. Uh, and, and, well, I think he's actually, you, you said he's kind, but I think he's just kind of neutral on both. Well, I guess, I guess the kindness, like there's no maliciousness at all in him, but also no. he's not gonna go out of his way to help anyone out either. <laughs> just, well, and I guess, I guess I'm looking at kindness. Like, is it kind to sell, tell someone the truth? Mm. And that's a different kind of kindness. And yeah. he is willing to do that. Oh yeah. Uh, but again, never in a way yes, that feels absolutely. hurtful. Yes. Where some other yes. people are very willing to be hurtful on this show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, this is very matter of fact. Mm-hmm. And, and, it, it, I, I think it also it, it's interesting to think about how they mine those different, like the neutral delivery of, of a coach beard versus the, like the uh, uh, optimistic exuberance of, of Ted Lasso. Like you're getting very different levels of humor, but having them play off each other makes both of them funnier. Yes. Uh, so, so having these different layers of characters is interesting, but they, the writer's room is also able to say, this is going to make the audience laugh. <laughs> we have yeah. this, these different layers here. Well, and there are definitely some inside jokes, too, because I didn't realize that uh, Jason Sudeikis is, I think, the nephew of George Went from Cheers. So yeah. there are a lot of Cheers jokes throughout. Mm-hmm. I, I I'd heard that at some point when he was on SNL, I want to say. And I, yeah. I think when I was looking up research for this and, and reading a couple of interviews that came out, like that was a little bit. You know, <laughs> you know, when you're a fan of a college football team and there's a bit of trivia about one of the players and every game yeah. it comes up and you start to be like, yes. are, are we doing the story one more time? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> about this. It started to be about that with Jason Sudeikis. And yes, <laughs> and Norma is like, oh, OK, yeah, this is the bit this this writer found. Uh, there, there was there was a player from Penn State who was on the defense who every game. It was always he beat. Uh, I think it was he beat Michael Phelps in a swimming race. And it's like they mentioned it every single week. <laughs> yes. For 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 me, at BYU, being a BYU fan last year with Zach Wilson, it was the the drive to John Beck for for quarterback uh, workouts every every weekend. It, it was mentioned all all 11 games and oh, later 12 games. Absolutely. Last year, I think like, OK, here we go again. <laughs> Once more. Um, is there one of the side characters that you find particularly interesting besides Ted Lasso? Uh, I love Keely mm-hmm. because Keely, you know, you talk about this nice, kind kind of thing. I think that she is very much similar and t- similar to Ted, but in a very different way. Um, she's she's very friendly, um, but she's I, what I like about the portrayal of Keely is she is very much herself. And it could have very, very easily been this vapid girlfriend of a young soccer player who is very full of himself but we 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 learn it's like that is that's not the case like she is very confident she is very competent and she is very much a truth teller and tells things the way that they are but in a kind way um you know as or just matter of fact way uh, <laughs> as she told rebecca it's like i decided i'm not afraid of you anymore <laughs> i love you her know, <laughs> and rebecca's relationship yes i it is so nice to see these Two women who are amazing for very different reasons just become mm-hmm. best friends yeah. <laughs> and support each other. It's it's so awesome. Uh, and, and I think 
one thing I love about Keely is, like I said, in the in this opening scene or in the in the panda joke scene, when when she's kind of like, which one do you would you want to be? Like she's uncertain, she's looking for guidance. Yeah. But as she gets her footing and she finds the guidance and she gets the mentors that she needs, she really grows into herself across the the, mm-hmm. the series. Um, and it's an evolution that feels very very natural and very earned. Yes. Uh, for the for the character, but I like her all the way along the journey. It's not like oh I don't like her and now I like her. It, it's like she's mm-hmm. she's likable the entire way, but she's also very transformed from the beginning of season one to the end of season two. Oh, for sure. And I. I think too, you know, she's not exactly a side character. If I had to say a side character, uh, you know, Sam Obasanya or uh, <laughs> Danny Rojas, who we haven't even met yet. Yes. Um, <laughs> but yes, uh, you know, there's, there's say, so Sam many good. Has one of my favorite laugh out loud moments from these episodes in which uh, Ted's son sent him some American things. Oh my feel, gosh, yes. Feel better. Uh, and one of them was a package of little Green Army guys. <laughs> um, and so Ted has uh he, he gives them out to a few people like with a little inspirational speech like have a little green army guy and he gives them to sam who's from uh is it nigeria that he's from uh, i believe so yeah he gives them to sam and, to, and tells them and then sam's like i appreciate the sentiment and that's very heartwarming but i do not have the same affinity <laughs> for the u.s military and and ted just goes oh because of the imperialism and sam's like yes, imperialism, imperialism. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and to ted's credit he is also aware yeah. <laughs> and is it isn't trying to say like, oh, I didn't mean it in that way or anything, you know, yeah, I get said, really defensive. Says, oh, the imperialism and takes the little green army. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought that was really good. Oh, uh, you know, uh, two outside things that I thought of too. the uh, the uh, when he's trying to teach Jamie Tart how to be a decoy, uh-huh. um, you know, and he gives the credit to Nate the Great right away when Trent Krim asks um but Ted does his ball, ball, give me the ball dance, um, which Alex Morgan for the U.S. women's team actually did after one of her goals. I have not seen this. I'm going to have to look that up. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. And, you know, it was one of those questions like, is that what she's doing? Yeah, that's what she's doing. <laughs> that's amazing. And, and Again, it's so hard to know, like, how to rank what, how popular a show is um, yeah. when we don't know the streaming numbers. But Ted Lasso, like we said, it's won all the awards, but also – uh, you see it referenced so often now oh, yeah. by coaches uh, and, yes, yes. And, and by commentators during games. Uh, what Jimbo Fisher had a Ted Lasso dance after their uh, their upset win. Uh huh. Or or they, they, they yeah I've heard uh, more than one college football commentator talk about like you got to be a goldfish right now <laughs> yeah. after something bad happens to a, <laughs> yes. to a player which is one of uh, Ted's speeches in one of these three episodes uh, after a player makes a mistake he's like be a goldfish uh, you know you, yeah. <laughs> you you've had your ten seconds now you've forgotten it <laughs> let's let's move on I, uh, I like oh yeah go ahead I, oh I was just gonna say something something um, else as well like the musical choices in the show mm-hmm. um at the end of episode two after they've lost to Crystal Palace and they play glad all over by the dave clark five um it's it's both kind of seems random because like why would they be glad all over but it is the song that crystal palace fans play and chant um at their home games oh i did not know this (laughs) yeah so like that that depth of hey here's something we're gonna drop and not even tell anyone so like for a british audience they're going to be taking something else from it than an american audience might be Oh, I like that. Yeah, like just yeah. different reception depending on what cultural context you have. Mm-hmm. I've definitely learned some about soccer and Premier League soccer by watching Ted Lasso, <laughs> but it is also the very like, okay, what, <laughs> like, like how much <laughs> of this am I really learning, and how much am I pop culture learning? Well, and and I think I think we'd be remiss if we didn't say for anyone that might be on the fence too. It's like this is not a show about soccer. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's a lot of hand waving. Hey, there's some soccer going on. Well, like it's in uh, season too like there's there's some major like discussions about like win streaks and loss streaks and it's just like then there'll be an episode comes like oh we snapped the loss streak like i would have expected that to be like a major plot point like a whole episode building towards breaking a losing streak yeah (laughs) yeah exactly oh i guess it happened i guess i guess we're like not even really explaining how promotion relegation works but (laughs) just putting the stakes there (laughs) yes but even uh i think it's in season two he tries to give the uh, the Hoosier speech of like this pitch yes. is the same size as every other pitch, and everyone's like, "No, it's not." And Emily turned to me, she's like, "Our soccer fields different sizes." I'm like, I thought they were all like, the same size. Let's go double check this. Oh, they are different. <laughs> they can be different sizes. Right. And and I, you know, I started to be super surprised as well. And then I was like, "Wait a minute, 
all of our baseball stadiums yes. are different too. Like the yeah, we can't we can't get persnickety about anything. Yeah, <laughs> when we have baseball as America's <laughs> pastime, because uh, those field links are absurd in some instances. Yeah, and there are legitimate obstacles put into stop runs or help runs, so we can't really. <laughs> <laughs> but I just assumed uh, uh, soccer fields were the same size, and I had never thought to look it up and verify that because it was just kind of well. I mean. <laughs> Playing in youth soccer in the U.S., they were the same size. Yeah, so I, I just I, assume, you know. Yeah, I, you know, I've I've had to help assistant coach my five year old, and that that field was the same small size as the one oh, right next to it. <laughs> Joe, you got to step up because this year I was full coach for my four year old. Oh, see, I had to. Uh, I had I had only assistant coach when needed. Uh, on my kids' soccer team because I was I was the head coach of my other son's flag football. Team. Oh, there there you go. Yeah, and I, the only reason I said I would be the head coach is because I got to pick what night and where the practices were. <laughs> See, <laughs> So they were, they were in the park two blocks from my house. <laughs> this is where I was at. I had said, you can call me if you need an assistant coach. And then the Orem Rec League reached out and said, no one volunteered to be coach, you're coach. <laughs> Wait, what? And like, you're coach and there's no team. All right, I'm coach. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've never coached flag football. I don't know what the right strategy is for a nine-year-old flag team off we go i'll just say we didn't oh have a goodness. magical season but the kids learn some <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely and as long as you weren't led tasso at them i think you were fine <laughs> oh my goodness uh yeah <laughs> that's a cut some of our listeners just enjoyed <laughs> the led tasso. <laughs> um i want to give a uh a, a quick shout out to rebecca that is an amazing character that they have crafted oh, yes. for Hannah Waddingham to play. Yes. And she does a fantastic job of um, motivating like some really wrong choices here early mm-hmm. on and making us feel like, oh, she's she's kind of evil, but also I kind of like her. <laughs> well, and and it's a fun play on the ma- Have you ever seen the movie Major League? I have not. Okay, so, you know, it was always on TV when I was little. Yeah, no, and I, I absolutely like I'm familiar love it. with it through yeah. cultural osmosis, but I've never actually right. watched it. Well, the, the whole driving plot was that she inherited the team. The owner of that team inherited the team and wanted to move the team to Miami because she hated Cleveland. Um, so she hired the worst player she could find and a coach who was a tire salesman <laughs> um, who was totally not qualified. And then just to spite her, they start winning and that she can't sell the team um <laughs> so it, it it's kind of a nice play on that where it's like oh there's a much more believable reason why someone might want to uh do this to a team <laughs> yeah and, and and she has fantastic character transformation and growth uh yes. that um, because she's not a terrible person yeah you end up like really liking her <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, throughout the series and for comedy I think the flybys of Leslie's appearances is just the perfect amount of spice. I do not want him to carry an episode. No, he, no. But uh, what is the actor's name who plays him? He's so good. I, I knew him from uh, Downton Abbey before I knew him as Leslie Higgins. Uh, Jeremy Swift. Yes, he, he is. He is Leslie Higgins. And I totally agree because, you know, watching this show, I think the person I relate to most is Higgins. <laughs> <laughs> you know, not the idea of, Hiding uh, adulterous love affairs from uh, Rebecca all the time, but just the just the uh, you really want to go down and have cake, don't you? (laughs) (laughs) And then he joins and he is dancing and he can't help but fall in love with Ted and want to be a part of it. And just that it's 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 great. It's the the mix of he wants to belong, but he also does not want any more work. No, absolutely. Yeah, he he will skirt as much work as he possibly can. But we also see, you know, at times he is good at his job when he wants to do it. Yes. Uh, And just something about Jeremy Swift's like when he like he sucks in his face a little and he's like doing a little. (laughs) Yes. And whatever the line is about to come out, I am already laughing before the line. Yeah, I'm ready for it. (laughs) Um, and, And that's one of those characters when you find an actor who can like bring that to a scene it's like this scene needs a little something it's like we'll just put leslie in it's like okay and and he absolutely does like pop into scenes where it's like why is yeah. leslie here right now i don't know it's because the writers probably said we just need a little something <laughs> let's put yeah. leslie higgins in here and i don't mind uh at all and i i will i will say too you know i guess <laughs> one last thing we've talked about not one to watch with your kids but uh i, I will say that uh 
Brent Goldstein, if you need someone to really chew an F word and make it hilarious, he is your man. <laughs> yeah. And like put put feeling into it and, and like give it different meanings that you didn't know were in a, yeah. a single syllable word. And make it mean so much. Yeah. Oh yeah, he can deliver the F bomb. Uh, with 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 some nuance and spin, <laughs> too. Yeah, but also, like, I, and when I say nuance and spin, I don't mean quietly. No, no. Uh, <laughs> well, and and I mean, and, and and strangely, he can say it in the most sincere way. And oh, that's you know, that's that's one more thing. His relationship with Phoebe is fantastic. With his niece, yes. Yeah, he, uh, he, how much he loves her and, and like, begrudgingly. Well, he, 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 will, he will move the world for her. <laughs> yes, but begrudgingly. And yeah. he will complain about it as he does it. But but also, um, there is no doubt that he's going to accomplish whatever he needs to for her. Yes, yes, absolutely. And he will be there. And I think that I think that is, you know, something the the main theme that we we haven't talked about that we could we could throw here, throw in here at the end that you could spend hours on is just the 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 running theme of fatherhood. In this show, absent fathers, good fathers, bad fathers, uh, people who aren't fathers, but are fathers yeah, father figures. Yeah, it's it's it is a running like they they literally could have just made the like the theme for this show, uh, either father and son from Cat Stevens or Cats in the Cradle. And I think it would have been just as appropriate. Yeah. Um, and I. What what you when you started to say like oh, one of the themes of the show like I had about five things that popped through my head, <laughs> <laughs> and I think you're right to absolutely right to identify um, fatherhood as you know. Uh, well, and I, I mean, what historically, you know, again, I'm going back to being a sports scholar, but historically, like the coach was looked upon to be this father figure in when the father wasn't there. Like here in sports, this is the father figure, yeah. and. What do you do with that? Are you are you the mean, uh, demanding taskmaster master, uh, master father? Are you the loving, supportive father? Are you not a father at all? I don't. For me, I think that just very much hits home. I, I w- wanted to ask, and we do need to wrap up soon. But uh, I know your uh, academic work is both pop culture and sports oriented. How yeah. happily does Ted Lasso sit in the Venn diagram of your intellectual uh, interests? I and maybe thirty other people in the country are the the circle. We are the center of it. Um, there are <laughs> there is no borderland. Um, <clears throat> it was it it was great, and it, it's one of those things that I'm always worried about because you know it's hard to do a sports show mm-hmm. and it be worth it. Yeah. Uh, Cause it can so easily go wrong. Like the only, there are three I think that I've ever liked where they tried to do a fictional sports depiction. That's this Let show. Me guess. Uh, go ahead. <clears throat> it's going to be Friday night lights. Yep. It's going to be Ted Lasso. And yep. I know we're talking TV shows, not movies, right? Yes, yes. Because they can nail sports movies more easily than TV shows. Oh, you might say Coach, which I would also agree with, but that was <laughs> – I love Coach, but I'm not picking Coach. Oh, I can't think of a good third one. <laughs> what what is uh, the third one for you? Sports Night. Oh, right, right, right. Okay. But that wasn't even about sports. It was yeah. just sports tangential. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, I'm in an interesting position where when I started my uh, – my academic program uh, or my grad school uh, doing superheroes like the MCU hadn't started. Yeah. So, and then it blew up. <laughs> yes. So, so, and you were like, Oh good. I, I can keep writing. Yes. But also it's like, there's so much, I can't even engage with it all anymore. <laughs> like, yeah. No, there's, there's too much superhero stuff uh, being produced. Thanks. You're like, I, 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 will stick, I will stick to these comics from the sixties and seventies and eighties. I have you. absolutely been reverting back to some sixties comics lately. <laughs> For and oh, it's so good, uh, so so absurd, so strange, <laughs> but so good, uh, yeah. But but uh, you and I knew each other in grad school, and we had at the time what were kind of you know niche uh, academic interests that yeah yeah. But mine kind of became like the common culture <laughs> once the MCU exploded, and it's yes. like oh, there's there's too much actually. I, I this is a little and, overwhelming. <laughs> and mine was always very much the mainstream culture and is just as nerdy mm-hmm. as comic books, but no one views it that way because it's become so normalized. Right. 
And okay. also, what <laughs> well, I wanted way, to do we with were, it. like mailing stats to each other across the country for years if you were a sports yes. fan, but this isn't nerd culture. Yeah. <laughs> people dress up people dress up for games, but that's not nerdy. Yeah, but if you go to Comic Con and cosplay, oh yeah. what what has happened to your life choices? <laughs> yeah. I mean you you literally spend eighty dollars to put on the uniform of the team. <laughs> You're not getting on that field, but you're wearing the jersey. Yeah, you might as well put on a Starfleet uh, jumpsuit. <laughs> but I think, but for me, the, the strangest thing was like, I'm academically studying it and looking at like cultural significance and uh, symbolism and mythology and politics. And everyone's like, no, I don't want that in my sports. It's like, no, 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 no it, it's there. Yeah. Oh, it's by the always, way, it's always, always been, been there. All, always been there. It's, 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 same thing with comic books. We're like, get the social justice warrior comic you know, out of my comic books. I'm like, Captain America was punching Hitler before the U.S. entered the war. That was the cover of Captain America number one. <laughs> yep, exactly. It's uh, it's like, amazing. It's like, yeah, I don't want I don't want sports in my politics. Oh, it's like, oh, you don't you don't want sports then? Is what you're saying? I saw someone. Uh, it, it went a little viral on Twitter because Disney announced that they're gonna. Um, like do another season of the x-men 90s cartoon which i'm so excited about yeah but someone's like i bet some social justice warrior writer ruins this and i'm like (laughs) the x-men it's like did you did the x-men really (laughs) you 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 think there's gonna be some social metaphor (laughs) added to the x-men all of a sudden with with outsiders (laughs) no i don't think so did you watch the show ever are you really a fan (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, we've got a little far afield. Uh, any That's final right. thoughts or praise for Ted Lasso? Um, I, I would uh, I would say it's it's such an enjoyable show, but a show that you're just going to you're going to think about, too. It's it's not just mm-hmm. I'm going to sit down and laugh. You can totally do that. You can watch this show and be absolutely entertained, but you can watch this show as well and get a little bit deeper mm-hmm. and you know as we talked about in the beginning you know especially during the pandemic it's one of these things where what would it look like if we did create a community of people who were kind to each other and tried to bring out the best in each other and i, I guess in that way like it was such lightning in a bottle <laughs> of we kind of really need this right now yeah uh, definitely. And in talking about those emotional layers that you were just referencing, this is going to be a little strange. My <laughs> my five-year-old, no, my seven-year-old, it was my seven-year-old, was watching the new Clifford movie on Paramount Plus. Live action. Uh, beautiful. And I went down to check on, you know, h- how much they were liking it. And he's like, I like it. He's like, this part's a little sad. Uh, you know, you got to have it. But then he said something, he's like, but sometimes you need the sad parts so you like the happy parts better. <laughs> Aww. and that's what so Ted Lasso true. does is like so I, true the, the comedy lands at such a high level and makes you feel so good because they are willing to emotionally make you feel the sadness uh yeah. that, that a lot of these characters are enduring uh and while the show has this reputation for that happy-go-lucky uh, like optimism that is a driving motivation for how Ted Lasso wants to interact with everyone around him there's a lot of difficulty that is circling so many of these characters and the show doesn't like pretend that there aren't hard things in the world yeah and even uh, even as a sports fan like looking at the cliches like we've got we've got roy kent at the end of his career and he's grizzled and he's gruff but you've never seen a roy kent you've got you've got jamie tart who's this pretty boy up and comer who's very full of himself but we don't know why he's like that or what's going on in the background or you have sam you know, coming over to England to play and how many like in all of our professional sports, how many people do you have coming from all over the world, stepping into a culture that is not their own and a language that's not their own. And all we know about them is what they do on the field. And so like we get these glimpses of, hey, this isn't necessarily this person's story or this person's story, but it is a story and it kind of humanizes athletes as well even though it's it's this this comedic journey it Mm -hmm. gives us this i don't know i I always like whenever we step out of just shuffling off sports because they're jocks 
Though they are willing to to, <laughs> to poke at that a little bit, like when Kiwi oh, absolutely <laughs> makes fun of Roy, but Roy's like had this little rant, and she just goes, "I'm, I'm Roy Kent, and I'm angry all the time because I'm paid millions to play a game." <laughs> Gotta admit, that was a pretty good impression. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely, yeah, like, so I, and that's the thing. Like, they play um, with it. Certainly, with some sports stories, they get a little self serious about sports and the importance yes. of sport. Uh, and I think Ted Lasso is a, it, it's celebrating the importance of people, uh, yep. of humans who happen to be sports players. Uh, yep. But but it's not saying they're important because they're the stars of AFC Richmond, this fake Premier League team. It's, <laughs> they're important because they're people. <laughs> and, yeah. and even the jerks, uh, you know, Ted wants the jerks to become better people. Uh, and exactly. so if he if he can have a role in that, that's that's what he views his role as manager. Yeah, um, to be. That wraps up this episode. Thank you for joining us. For show notes and links to all the other great Dueling Genre shows, you can go to DuelingGenre.com. Also, please subscribe to the Protagonist Podcast in your podcast app of choice, and please leave us a review. That really helps us out. We'd like to thank Scott Toft, who composed our theme music. Thank you again for listening. And Ben, thank you for joining us uh, to come talk Ted Lasso. Thank you, Joe. It was a pleasure. And we will be back next week to discuss another great character in a great story. So long. For any listeners who are not familiar, Ted Lasso began streaming on August 14th. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just remembered. I promised <laughs> Andrew this was going to be a winner. <laughs> I didn't have a whole lot of time to edit.